Welcome to episode 123 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I am your host, Mike Mason, and you have found the show where I talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I talked to Lori Turner from Music Monkey Jungle. We talked about a lot of different kinds of things. We talked about her education, about how she taught herself to play guitar, which is not easy. But most importantly, we talked about Music Monkey Jungle, which is a Philadelphia-based project that Lori is spearheading, and they do amazing work, amazing music, lots of brilliant stuff, lots of different stuff. They have a brand new record out called Monkey Business, and if you like that little bit of music, that was a song called Fifi Dupree from their brand new album, Monkey Business, and you can stay tuned all the way to the end to hear the whole song. If you're new to the Good Stuff Kids podcast, you are just a tap or a click away from 123 plus episodes of the Good Stuff Kids podcast or Good Stuff Sports. There's about 15 of those too, and they're all there. They're all free. They're all available. You can find them on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, if you were so inclined to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot. And if we ever met in person, you would get a hug and a high five. That is a prize you cannot turn down. A hug and a high five. An H and an H. Maybe... No, you can't turn that down. Absolutely not. If you need to reach me, Mike at GoodStuffPod.com. Do you think that you are a creator of certified and bona fide good stuff and you want to come on the show and talk about it? Drop me a line. That email address is Mike at GoodStuffPod.com. You can find me on social media at GoodStuffPod, and I would love to hear from you. It makes my day. It really does. It's nice to hear from people who are listening to the show. And it makes me know that there are people that are listening to the show, which is a nice thing when you're putting out a podcast that that people are listening to it and getting something out of it. So before we get to Lori Turner from Music Monkey Jungle, we're going to listen to my six-year-old daughter who insisted that she wanted to, in her words, drop a beat. She, she really said that. However, there is no beat, but I think she does freestyle sing a little bit. So enjoy about... 11 seconds of that and then Lori from music monkey jungle thanks for listening talk to you at the end of the show so guess what i'm such a beat so look at me look at you i'm a beat do 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 me and you me me and you me and you me me and you me and you me me and you football player is my brother he's like a jam but I'm, I'm in my six years, so I'm feeling the jam. We got get, get, we got what 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 good stuff, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff, good it is awesome. We're already off to a raging start here at the Good Stuff Kids podcast. It's so great to welcome Lori Turner from the Music Monkey Jungle. How are you this morning? 
I'm great. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. Thanks. I want to thank you for reaching out to uh, send me some of your music. Um, I've been in your world this morning and we have we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> what a world I live what in. What a world. It's almost yeah. like a jungle, a music monkey jungle. Um, how about that? How about that? That's very on brand. Um, so <laughs> so let's set the scene. Uh, it's sure. February 2nd. It's Groundhog's Day. Um, yep. I do not know if that uh, if that ceremony has happened yet, but it has happened on the East Coast. It and... has. And apparently, I, I don't remember if it's the groundhog doesn't see his shadow, then it's six more weeks of winter. Uh-huh. People here are kind of freaking out because it's six more weeks of winter. Okay. Oh, and it's been a run. My question is, how does it, how do you know if a groundhog actually sees a shadow? Like what? I don't get it. Yeah. We, we don't actually know the full scope of what Punxsutawney Phil, is it still Punxsutawney right. Phil? Like, what does it, he yes. see? Is he intimidated by all the, we just don't know. <laughs> My shadow. Yeah, yeah, right. This is like, this is it. a flawed system. I think, I think. <laughs> I, I personally agree. <laughs> if that's what we're going toward, you know, meteorology these days, like I think the science might, might need to catch up. Yeah, bit. yeah, exactly. Like let's catch up with the groundhog or the ground dog at least. <laughs> give us the respect to catch up with us. <laughs> um, so, so you are you're on the East Coast. Are you in the Philadelphia area at the Pennsylvania? I am area? in Philadelphia, Center City proper. Okay, yeah. okay, great. So um, we're gonna have to talk cheesesteak at the very end just to get your preference, but we won't. Will that we? that's like at the end, you know. Like I we understand. Don't, we'll I leave understand. everyone in suspense. Um, <laughs> so so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to to this point and being a very prolific. And we'll talk about some what what that means for you, but a very prolific uh, kids and family. Uh, artist and musician? I was an elementary music teacher trained in a broad spectrum of kindergarten through 12th grade general vocal and instrumental music. I was in the North Penn School District um, right outside of the Philadelphia region um, for close to 13 years. And in the middle of my master's training, I was kind of thrown into all of these different exercises in timed writing um, rhythm, beat, flow, and it was a lot of, it could have been interpreted as a lot of rap. Uh-huh. And being involved in these timed exercises of having to just pick a topic, write about it, sing about it, rap about it, I started realizing I had a little knack for it. And I would bring all of my lyric writing into the classroom with the kids and one of the children once looked at me and said, you know, like you always tell us that we should go home and practice instruments, but you rarely play instruments with us. I didn't have a music room at the time, so I would wheel this gigantic cart with this really low quality keyboard that had a sound bank that sounded like a tin can. Uh-huh. And um, I didn't want to actually play the piano setting because it sounded pretty horrible and I would rather sing by rote. So um, he once looked at me and just said, like, you tell us to go home and practice instruments and like, what gives? He was around nine years old. And I was like, you know what? He's totally onto something. And maybe I'm going to have to actually learn how to play the guitar. My major instrument was flute. So I had really long nails. You don't have to cut your nails for the flute. I had really long nails, nice manicured, primped and proper every two to three weeks. And I made myself a conscious decision. I'm going to file my nails down. I'm going to get a guitar. I'm going to show these children that I do play all of the instruments. And I really worked on it. And it took me around four years to play a proficient song. But fast forward, all of these 
written rhymes and flows that I was doing in my graduate studies and then in the classroom now had a guitar accompaniment and it was at the heyday of friends. And I realized if you could take Phoebe from friends and mix her with a little bit of Adam Sandler and maybe a slice of Weird Al <laughs> and the voice of the, the chick in the B-52s who has the red hair, <laughs> you kind of get me. And this, and this was before I, I started performing in front of audiences because my audiences were my Your students. students. Yeah. And my students, uh, they started like, coming into the music room. They would just run to me and be like, what are we going to do today? Like, what craziness are you going to make happen? And I would just look and say, you know, we need a song about something really important in your life. And the, chill, the boys, the older boys would raise their hands and be like, well, you know about the chocolate milk box, right? Can't stand it. You open one side, it doesn't actually open. You open the other side and then you open the whole thing and it's this big square of chocolate milk. I'm like, I feel like I need a little bit of therapy for that. And I'd be like, quick, come on, let's write a song. So it turned into this thing. Uh -huh. And I realized as I was learning how to play the guitar and getting a little bit better at a time, if I wanted to actually do anything with this, I had to learn how to perform in front of people solo. So I brought myself to open mic nights in the Philadelphia region all over the place. I would go all the time and, um, you know, hear all these singer songwriters with a cause and a mission and it's serious. And then me all right. <laughs> going up with topics about chocolate milk Yeah. and people looking at me like, is, is this for real? And my answer being, uh, not only is it for real, like I'm not cracking a smile, right. this is serious. This is, these are issues. You know? These are real issues. And these issues. are issues yeah. to 10 year old kids. Yeah. And they're, and, and I wanted to keep it that way. That's what actually started the driving force behind me learning how to really perform in front of an audience outside of an elementary classroom. And then saying to the ages of children who were in attendance, basically the ones who were my students, but also in attendance to any family programming I could provide, that I wanted kids to actually stay within a kid mindset because I was starting to see, you know, this was like in the beginning of the, the 2000s, I was seeing children are getting older and older topics thrown at them, younger and younger. And it was just too much for me to handle as one of the influential teachers in their lives to kind of look and say, you should not be worrying about certain things when you're only in second grade and here you are worrying about it. Like the chocolate milk box, that should be your biggest problem. Right, right. So that's kind of what the, the, underlying, the underlying story is. And then I just started making connections and performing and here I am today with Music Monkey Jungle as a pretty prominent business and the, the lyrics are all over all over the place and all over my head. Right. So that's it. I mean, that's interesting. I think the idea of kids getting too much thrown at them too fast is fa like I was um, my son is eight. Right. So this mm -hmm. is sort of the wheelhouse of of who, you know, and um, I don't know why this like it didn't bother me. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. I was I dropped him off at school today and I saw one of his friends had the book The Hobbit that he was reading. And I was like, hold on, what? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, these are, he, he has amazing parents and I'm sure that this was like not driven by the parents being like, now you're ready for The Hobbit. But it was just interesting <laughs> to, to think like, wow, that's like, I would read that and I wouldn't understand it. So the, I, I totally get the idea that kids are getting a lot thrown at them. Some of it by their choice, but Absolutely. much of it not. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, 
you are prolific, right? So you, you, I love the, the background of this is like, you know, this is hard work. It's not easy to learn to play the guitar even for, so I'm sort of doing the opposite. Oh thing, yeah. Right. Oh. Like I, uh-huh. I play guitar like sort of proficiently and I'm trying to teach myself piano and it's just not going different beasts. Right. Completely totally different beasts. So yep. I love the idea that you, you felt like you had to, if you were going to do it, you were you had to do it right. And you needed to teach yourself guitar and that idea of perseverance is really important. Because, and this is sort of the, uh, this is like, I, I, I enjoy when we find like lessons that, that kids can learn from, from people who are, you know, professionals and do it. It's like, it's a, was it easy to start learning to play the guitar? Oh, geez. So I used to have this bet with my sixth grade kids. I would not, not a bet, just this deal. When they were learning how to play the recorder, which, by the way, in a public forum for me to be able to tell anyone, <laughs> if you think the recorder sounds horrible and you don't listen to groups of children playing it at the same time uh-huh. all throughout your day, just imagine when the music teacher says, OK, everybody, on the count of three, we're all going to play a B together. My whole entire thing would be, guys, you're just going to make it where it's not going to sound like traffic. <laughs> Okay, that's all we're rooting for. So I would tell them in in the sixth grade classes, if I give you an assignment that you think is like virtually impossible to handle, we will work on it together and then I will stop the lesson five minutes early. I will take the guitar out and I will show you how my double jointed pinky can't press down strings without flopping back and forth. Uh And without fail, we would stop the lessons early almost every time because I was giving them things that were really challenging in in terms of every aspect of, of excuse me music education and what they were going to produce and I would take the guitar out and I would play and they would just critique me in the most honest ways you know hey you stink and I'd be like <laughs> yes I do you know so one of my first guitar teachers and I had the exact same credentials in undergrad except he was a guitar person and I was a flute person. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you know, like you pretty much have all the tools to be able to teach yourself. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't know the names of the strings. Mm -hmm. I don't care to know the names of the strings. Mm -hmm. I want to learn how to play a whole song. And um, he he said to me, so here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you the chord chart for Good Riddance by Green Day. Mm -hmm. And I want you to be able to play all of those open chords there are around seven or eight of them. I want you to get around that chord progression and pattern. And then I want you to play a strumming pattern that's basically impossible. And when you get around to that, let's move on. Uh-huh. And that's me three and a half years to do. Yeah, that's a, that's an three interesting. And a half yeah, years. that's a tough place to start. A lot going on. It, in was, that, yeah. it was really hard. And I would bring my lessons from my I would bring my assignments from my private lessons into the classroom and I would show the kids, this is what I was assigned this week. Look at how horrible I am at doing it. (laughs) And I would keep doing it over and over again. And eventually when I got okay, not even good, when I got okay, you know, every year the older children would rotate in ages. So it was fourth grade moving up to fifth grade, fifth grade moving up to sixth grade. The children who were probably in third grade when I first started, when they were in sixth grade, they would come into the music room with handfuls, handfuls of change and tell me, goodness, open up your guitar case. And they would throw it in. <laughs> Thinking that's going to be motiva- motivation for me to get better. Yeah. And I'd be like, thanks, guys. Uh, I don't even know where to go with this, but thank you. Yeah. Um, but that perseverance was, it was really hard to, 
hard to to plow through the pain. It really physically hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So, but you know, after a while, it was just like this is my lot. I've got to learn how to do it. Yeah, and it's a cool that your students got to see you progress. Right. Just as they yeah. progress. It's like interesting. You know, I, I don't know if you were thinking about this at the time, but like great role modeling. Right. Like you. Were- I, what I was thinking about was that all the children think that I lived at the school. Yeah. You know, like I live <laughs> under my desk. Yep. Right. And then I don't have a life outside nope. of what we do in the classroom. And I totally get that mindset. But all I kept thinking to myself was like, let them come along on a ride with me being a student. Uh huh. Yes, yeah, so they always just assumed because I'm a music teacher, I can play everything. I'm good at all things music. And I'd be like, I, I, thanks, but like, no. Yeah. You know, just like a human being, I have to actually work at something and really push myself harder and harder, particularly with the pinky thing. I mean, mm-hmm. that was something that the sixth graders that year just totally rooted for me. Yeah. That pinky's going to get stronger. It's going to be great. <laughs> and I'd be like, you guys are the best. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, holding this together. That's amazing. Um, So before we dig into this new album, uh, we mm-hmm. should also say that there are, you have seven CDs out, seven yeah. records. Um, So when was the, the first one? I think was 2010. Is that right? Even before. Really? So most people don't know. The Music Monkey Jungle came into being in 2010. Okay. Prior to Music Monkey Jungle, I was performing under my maiden name. And I was singing all of the songs that I was writing for the children in my classroom, which everyone referred to as the hits uh-huh. <laughs> in my in my school. Uh-huh. So I was performing under the, the whole name, Miss Sterling Sings the Hits. Okay. And when 2009 came around, my husband and I soon, at that point, my my fiance at the time, uh-huh, uh-huh. him and I were talking about, you know, am I going to rebrand? Am I going to change my name since my performance name is my actual name? Am I going to take his name and the whole nine yards? And I said, well, you know, it's always been my goal and ammunition to make it a community building idea no matter what we're providing and where we're performing Mm -hmm. i said so i don't think it should be about me it should be about the community at large and one of the songs that all of the children in the school always asked for on a regular basis was called little music monkeys and i was driving to work one morning and i was trying to figure out what are we going to name the company if it's going to be community building, I could go with Little Music Monkeys. I could go with Cows, Chickens, and Pickles. I could go with something that's broad term within all of the songs that I had had under the Miss Sterling Sings the Hits umbrella. And I just thought to myself while I was in the car, you know, it kind of makes the most sense to go with Music Monkey Jungle. Because in my in my mindset, it was always supposed to be organized chaos. And that's what I want to provide in our jungle. It's organized and chaotic all at the same uh-huh. time. So I took a good portion of the songs that had been recorded under Miss Sterling Sings the Hits and put them into a Music Monkey Jungle CD in 2010. Okay. So it's a lot of recycled material in 2010 and 2011. Uh-huh. But then as you go into the rest of the 2000 teens, it's all Music Monkey Jungle, all mostly original and 
when I get into songwriting mode, I mean, you've seen on the albums like 25 yeah. to 27 tracks. I was just, just going to say, this is, this is not like an 11 track album. This is like, it's it, bizarre. No, it's, you know, it's, it's great. Pick and weed and like put the other ones aside. Yeah, and I'm like, not throw it all together. Yeah, but it all it all starts, right? Like all of the records start with a particular song, the, yes. the theme song. So yeah. um, every album starts with that. I, I know that yep. there's a couple of Jewish themed albums and we can yes. touch on that too, but um, so they all start with this theme song and do the theme songs different out al- do they differ album by album? No, no, it is the same thing uh-huh. because in the mind's eye, if we were really in music monkey jungle and it was an actual show on a stage or a TV show, it's theme song. Uh-huh. And so, and, it, and yeah, I was just going to say, is there a, a, um, you know, is this grounded like pedagogically? I mean, this is, a, which is like a huge word, but like. Every, you know, the kids hear it, they're familiar with it. It's part of like the curriculum in quotes. Yep. All right. It's absolutely a part of the curriculum, but I also know my Jedi mind trick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like Star Wars, by the way. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, that song is either really loved or really not loved. <laughs> and either way, that's cool with me. Uh-huh. Because somehow it's in your head right it gets there i know i know my branding uh-huh you know yeah. so the reality is the but um bum bum part if i were really really good on the guitar it's actually supposed to be a blues scale but um bum 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 but um is what it's supposed to be but i couldn't play that <laughs> so i just changed it to what i could play and what i could sing and then it turned into what it is now yeah and um it's It's really, it's basically what you just said. The kids are so familiar with it that the minute we start it in live performance, everybody goes, okay, it's happening. Yeah, game on. So it's it's the beginning of the season. All right. So, um, Okay, so before we get to the to the new record, just a couple questions. You know, we you you have this like really um, broad but specific education around kids' music or or around music education, and 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 just so like a couple of probably very simple questions about it. So you have a graduate degree in ORF, sure. Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, I have, I think, a basic understanding of what that is, but I don't think many people do. So is there like a simple way to explain what that is? Yes. Okay. There is a very user-friendly, simple way, simple way to, simple way to, way to explain. Number one, ORF is the guy's name. Okay. Let's start with that. Carl Orff is also a very prominent composer. If anyone in the world wanted to know any information about him, you go onto YouTube, you go onto Google, Carl Orff comes up. Then I always tell everybody, go onto YouTube and type in O Fortuna plus Carmina Burana. Every single person in the free world knows this piece of music. Carl Orff wrote it. Okay. And the reason why I bring that up is because when people hear that it is a music education technique that mostly is used in elementary settings, they're like, oh, that must be so cute. And then when you listen to Carmina Barani, you're like, dude, this guy is crazy talented. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of connects the two together where you can look and say, he had all of these ideas with ORF instruments for children to be able to learn in a more constructive way. So then when you bring in Schulwerk, Schulwerk is just German for schoolwork. So altogether, it's Orff's schoolwork. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he devised this music education technique with one third rhyme and flow and nursery rhymes and anything that is kind of simple, but can become more complex. One third movement and dance, one third instruments. And then within those thirds, it, they all break down to be a little bit more specific and have components that make it where the the lesson itself or the children learning can kind of pinpoint how they want to learn something or how something is constructed and composed or improv. That's another thing. There is a lot of improvisation in Orfshul work, kind of letting the child lead the way, you know, give all of the concepts and say, now take it and see what you can, what you can create with it. So that's pretty much my easiest way of explaining it. And then to do a little segue into Orf instruments, metallophones, xylophones, recorders, percussion, whether it's um, uh, timpani drums or auxiliary percussion like wood blocks and shakers, everything that can be under the sun of percussion is involved in Orf work as well. So now let's turn our attention to the the new record. Um, tell me a little bit. There, There's a storytelling component to this record, right? Is it similar to the the previous ones or is this a no. new? Uh, okay, so it's a new direction. And there are some, well, I'll let you tell it. There's a couple characters that show yep. up and and what was the, uh, so I guess what was the uh, inspiration to make it sort of a, a rock opera? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, someone understands me. <laughs> oh, man. So what happened was, Back in the good old days of Music Monkey Jungle coming into fruition, it was really just me and my husband partnering. And he is not a musician. He is a technical side of things with Music Monkey Jungle. But prior to meeting him, when my songwriting really, when my songwriting career really started, it was probably around 2006 or 2005. And Little Music Monkeys was written in 2002. And it was written because it seemed like monkeys were a common theme with making every child happy. No doubt. And when I wrote it, it had a lot of components of Worf work and movement and having to learn how to keep the beat and using body percussion and all of this educational jargon, right? Fast forward, I'm single as single can be around 2004. And the children would come into the classroom and I would look at them and be like, guys, you need to help me with something. There's a little purple monkey in my life and she likes to play her guitar and she sits atop Mr. Tree and tell me about her. So they would give me all of these details about this little purple monkey, never realizing it was me. And these details were very cute and funny. And it actually described me to a T almost. And then I decided that I was going to start asking the children, you know, well, Fifi seems pretty lonely, doesn't she? So like, who is she looking for? Because it seemed to me in my single world that I was never going to find my husband, who's now Andrew. <laughs> and um, they would give me descriptions of every single monkey that Fifi might be looking for. And one day I said to a second grade class, well, her name is Fifi Dupree. What's the name of the monkey she's looking for? And one of the kids just looked and said, isn't it obvious that his name has to rhyme? And I was like, well, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yes, it's so obvious. Duh. Back to the drawing board and make that happen for you. Uh-huh. 
sat down and I came up with a few different choices of names. I don't remember what the other ones were, but when I said Fester McGee, this class went, yes, that's it. <laughs> so I said, well, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about Fester? And they started telling me that Fester wears a suit and that he has a briefcase. He swings around and he gets lost a lot. Uh. And um, he's trying to find her. And it seems like every single time he gets close, she puts her guitar down and stops singing. So he can't hear hear her music. And I was like, this is seriously deep. Like, yeah. I, I was never expecting it to really go in those directions. But they brought me into this new songwriting world where I was really descriptive in detail. Mm-hmm. And I wrote Fifi's song probably in 2006. Oh, so you've been sitting on this for a while. I saw, I sat on it for a while, yeah. but I also wrote Fester's song back then too. I thought, you know, if I'm going to kind of make the world that I need to happen, create, uh, you know, come to light, I'll put these details out into the world and hopefully it'll happen. And the details that you hear on Monkey Business were rewritten because I rewrote the songs before I was going to record them to include all of the details that have happened since me and Andrew have met and gotten married and had children and the whole nine yards. So, I mean, long story short, the characters in Music Monkey Jungle were invented and created in my creative mind so long before Music Monkey Jungle came into light. And then I started realizing it's really hard to make those characters come to life without either puppets or me wearing mascot kind of costumes and also doing live performance. So when I was going into this CD, specifically a monkey business, I thought, you know what, if I wanted the world to know that Music Monkey Jungle should actually have a cartoon component, I need to write this whole entire album in a storyboard forms a really cohesive mind's eye for any of the children who are listening who have active imagination and um, hope that everyone would understand that it actually is a rock opera. Yeah, and I will. Oh, I will. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. So, and and it's interesting to hear these... uh, the background, like the the depth and sort of the the reflection on your real life as you yeah. were sort of moving through. Um, so everyone should should check out this new this new record. Um, a, another big part of what you do is based around movement. And yes. um, so I guess like just as a general like sort of broad question, how does movement fit into the music monkey jungle? Without the movement, we don't have the jungle. Got it. Because our our performances live are dubbed interactive performances. A lot of people will say, oh, those classes. And I get it. And it's really cool that people want them to, to be the, the actual classes like a mommy and me is. But the reality is I don't have it set up where everybody's sitting in a circle. It's certainly not very calm. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> we want hardcore interaction from everybody involved because the more that the adults are interactive, the more the children are interactive and the more everybody's learning the concepts together. So the movement is in almost every single Music Monkey Jungle song, unless that song was specifically written because I am trying to either do storytelling or ear training. Oh, interesting. And then if it's ear training, it's 
all melodic and it's usually an echo song. It's all education all the time. All the time. All the time. That's so great. One of the local DJs here in Philadelphia around two years ago, um, someone, there was a comedy club around the corner and the PR person who works at the comedy club was driving this comedian from Philadelphia's airport over to the radio's studios and every Thursday they have the comedians who are going to play at one of the local comedy clubs come in and she had the music monkey jungle stuck in her car. So this comedian goes on air and he's telling the DJs about, he was in this like horrible time warped, warped, but um, bum, bum, bum place. Uh-huh. And someone, and someone texts me, you are, you are being made fun of on MMR right now. And I was like, Great. Let me yeah, listen to right. it. Right. No publicity is bad. No right. publicity is bad publicity. I don't, it's great with me. And yeah. I called the station and the whole nine yards. So I was like, you know, if that's the case that they're, you know, poking fun at me, let me write them a song. I wrote them a song. I sent it over and they actually wrote back to me and said, oh my gosh, do you really work this fast? And I was like, yes. But one of the DJs, it, I don't think he I didn't mean it by anything, but he said something about, how, you know, fantastic, kitschy, fun, and simple. And the thing that I I think everyone should know is that there is no simplicity to a simple song. Right. At least in my world. Right. I, there is so much education thrown into that simple song that people would be like, are you kidding? No, no I'm not kidding. It's right. it's really jam packed with a ton of stuff. Well, right. I mean, it, it, you can you almost can't help it, right? I'm not going right. to put words in your mouth, but for you, it seems like just based on your education, based on time in the classroom, based on your your training in in ORF schoolwork. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but whatever, okay. right? But like thinking about ear training, thinking about movement, like it's it's uh, it's simple, but it's deliberate. So. On that note, and this is this potentially is putting you on the spot a little bit, so I do mm-hmm. apologize for it in advance. Okay, but um, I, I'm really I'm like your your background is fascinating to me, and and the way that you've put Thank it you. all, the, the way that you've tied it all together, and I love the idea that like you were writing songs in 2002 that you didn't know were going to be a part of what you're doing now, like 15 years later. Like I love when a plan comes together, even if it's yeah. not on purpose. But so. Thinking back on all of your your education, your master's degree, and and I'm just curious, like, what is the most valuable thing? If you it, and I know this is on one foot and on the spot, but what's the most valuable part of your education, your music education that you find like, man, if I didn't know this, I would I would be in real real trouble. My education personally was really healing for me. I had a a a pretty shaky childhood in the sense that I think most kids feel, you know, a little bit out of the norm and a little bit, um, I guess just different. And the reason why I felt different was because everything that I really enjoyed didn't seem like everybody else really enjoyed. And I wasn't strong enough to look and say, that doesn't affect me. That Mm -hmm. doesn't bother me. And here, all these years later, it's like music education and being with other music teachers, being with other performers, being with quirky people who get the active imagination like I used to have spewing out of my head or like trying to keep it inside my head and not sharing with anybody. I've come into my, my happy place and my educa- without my education, I would never have learned that I'm actually really good at being a community builder. 
That's oh, nice. that's the part of all of this that is my real driving force. I used to sit in the classroom and listen to the children talk about, you know, I'm going to be going to see the Nutcracker this weekend and we're going to take the train down from here and we're going to go to Philadelphia and then we're going to go do this or that or I'm going to go into New York and go see the Radio City Music Hall specials and then other children who were in the classroom kind of looking at each other feeling either embarrassed that they can't afford to go do those things that they don't even know what that is that they stay in the hometown where they are and that's all that they do and I started thinking like you know there are communities that need to be brought together and even if those communities are just a whole bunch of second graders together who look and say let's all just actually be in the moment right here right now and sing and dance and have a good time and then remember that everyone could be friends with each other you know, I mean, it's it's funny that that's what I've learned from my music education, but my music education has really been community building, community building, community building all along. Right. And and I think what's what's great about it is it's not like a particular class, but it was like your experience putting everything that you learned to use yeah. and then it, it and then it comes to this point where you're like this is what this is what I do. This is what I what I'm good at. Um yeah. that that's really that's really powerful and I think the idea of you know, kids all come from different places, right? And like, yeah. what's what's interesting to, you know, so I'll speak for my kids, right? Like my son is like just rabid about baseball and football, right? Yep. Loves it, right? So he's got a few friends that are like at that place, but he's like a little ahead of the curve, I think. My four-year-old daughter loves playing like doctor stuff. She calls it yeah. doctor stuff, which is mostly <laughs> like looking at a book and uh, she she loves dance. But my, and my six-year-old just isn't quite sure what her thing is, right? Yes. And, and it might be something that's not sports and it might be something that's not dance or, or, or doctor stuff, but like to for her to be in a place, right? So I'm projecting her in like an environment that you're creating for her to be in a place where there's a um, something that brings them together, which is your music would be a really good thing for her. Right. And, and what we try to do and when I say we, Andrew and I are business partners in the company, but then we also have oh, the band. five others. Right. Yeah, we, we have five others who perform under the Music Monkey Jungle umbrella and then also a, a marketing team. And in any given location, there are multiple of us. And what we try and do is, you know, for the case of your six-year-old daughter, um, we basically want to look at everybody and say, you don't have to figure anything out. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're all in this together. So, you know, yeah, you've got the doctor on one end and you've got the sports on the other end. Let's clap our hands right now and figure <laughs> out figure out how we can be happy right where we are. Because yeah. it's an ironic thing. Everyone in the Music Monkey Jungle world who works in the company, we've all had the experiences of feeling a little bit outcastish or a little bit behind others and I find it so interesting that we've all had this experience, but then we're all really comfortable and confident in our own two feet and shoes now. Mm -hmm. But it took a long time, at sure. least for me. Sure, no doubt. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, thank you for thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, "Oh, my kid too. Me yeah. too. My kid too." So that's that's excellent. You're welcome. Um, so we're going to change gears a little bit. Um, you know, we both got heavy and we're bawling about our experiences just a second ago, but. You're in Philadelphia, yep. and uh, you may or may not know that sometimes the the host of the Good Stuff Kids podcast, being me, gets locked in on regional food because I love yes. 
food and eating and trying delicious foods. So Philadelphia is known for the cheesesteak. Philadelphia is known for the cheesesteak. And there's two places that are yeah. really well known, Pat's and Gino's. And they're across Pat's the street from Do yes. you are you brand loyal? Are you loyal to one or the other? I am going to hopefully not make anyone upset with me. Oh, this is a this is a here, no this is a personal preference. This is not well, about being here mad. Is, here's how I'm going to answer this community building question. <laughs> Ready? I think Pat's is awesome. I think Gino's is awesome. I think Jim Steaks is awesome. I think everyone likes I think a lot of people in Philadelphia are very brand specific. But here's what you said before, and this is a lot something that a lot of people don't know. I come from a Jewish household. We keep kosher. Boom. All right. There, you have it. there it is. So I'm waiting for one of these places to either come up with a kosher version that uses non-dairy cheese <laughs> or a vegetarian cheesesteak. Okay. Hey hey, hey. hey, well done. And I could I can look, I'm gonna follow that up with Another question, by the way, very, very answered very well. Thank you Thank for sharing you. that. Now, the sure. the holiday of Purim is coming up. Yes, it is. Also food related. Two Purim questions. Yeah. What yeah. do you like in your hamantashen, first of all? Oh, perfect question. My, my preference is apricot preserves or Nutella. Oh, that's it. That's new school. Yes. Nutella is yep. new school. And then secondly, do you know what you're going to be for Purim? It is a costume holiday. Oh, oh okay. So I have a four and a half year old and a three year old, both who on a regular basis, upon waking in the morning, you have to ask, who are you today? Oh. Because the four and a half year old is always Queen Elsa in one of her forms. Right, right. And then the three year old goes back and forth between being Queen Elsa and Princess Fiona from Shrek. Uh-huh. Smart choices. And right. Very, very specifically fantastic choices on either end of the royalty spectrum. <laughs> so this year I said to the girls, what are we going to be for Purim? And uh-huh. the four and a half year old said, Well, I'm going to be Queen Elsa. And then the three-year-old said, I'm going to be Queen Elsa. And then Andrew said, I'm going to be Queen Elsa. <laughs> and I said, I guess I'm going to be Queen Elsa too. <laughs> and the kids go, no, you're going to be Olaf. And I, I, I can understand that. I can understand why you would think that. So I do believe we're going to be the Queen Elsa Quartet. Oh, okay. Cool. In some sort of in way. In some way. All right. Well, yeah. you know, life has been a series of doors in my face. I don't know. I thought that was that in my head that was going to be like brilliant, but uh, you know what I mean. Anyway, oh, I do. Um, I totally do. Uh, I was I, trying to steer them in a direction of we could all be one character. That's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. Door. Well, right in the face. Right in the face. Right in the face. Okay. Right the thanks. Face. Thanks for getting my back on that. Um, okay. So, how do we how do we find you? How do we find the Music Monkey Jungle? How do we follow you? Like those kinds of things. Oh, uh, we are everywhere. So you can find us at www.musicmonkeyjungle.com our website which is actually going into a complete overhaul in the next few months but it's obviously still going to be there um our performance calendar is on the website and hopefully it's pretty easy to access although it's a google calendar and i get that sometimes that's not so easy to read which brings me to liking us on facebook 
and also finding us on Instagram, all just musicmonkeyjungle.com, um, and not .com, just musicmonkeyjungle spelled out the way that you would spell them. Um, and we are found as readily as possible, and I am contactable on all of these social media platforms as well. Yeah, and I will say you're an excellent emailer. Excellent. Thank you so much. <laughs> very prompt. Very well done. Um, and YouTube videos. And oh, yes. And you're on Spotify, all the places where people get Everywhere. music. Great. Okay. Yep. So this was a wide-ranging and very fun conversation. And everyone, check it out because you're doing really great, accessible, nice music. And hearing that you have a, a four-and-a-half and a, a three-year-old, like yes. you are, you are that is your truth. I am in it. <laughs> you are in it. in it, dude. <laughs> Music Monkey Jungle. It's never been more of a jungle than it is right It's now. never been more real. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for your time, and it was great talking to you. You as well, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you so much, Lori, for sharing your story and sharing what you do with me and with everyone who's listening. Of course, for all the back episodes, as I said at the beginning of the show, you can find them on Stitcher, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to my website, www.goodstuffpod.com. They're all there. The whole shebang. Start with Lori. Work your way backwards. Or work your way forwards to Lori. But make sure you finish listening to Lori. Because that was awesome. Thank you so much to Lori. Music Monkey Jungle, if you're in the Philadelphia area, you have got to check Lori and company out. Thank you all so much for listening. Now, let's check out Fifi Dupree. Yeah! Pennsylvania jungle along the main line Where the sky is always blue and the sun always shines Lived a sassy music monkey named Fifi Dupree This beauty of a primate swung all over the place Loved balance, warmth and wide open space Had a passionate heart, creative hopes and dreams To find your soulmate faster, McGee. Her patience wore thin, her curiosity grew, so she did what any monkey in the middle would do. In hopes of finding love so true, she left Mr. Tree and swung to the zoo. She asked every animal on the scene, Have you seen a dancing monkey? His sense of direction is lousy, it seems. She hated every minute of searching the zoo and felt her sweet pink heart turn blue. Cause to her soul, she wasn't being true. She gave in to hope and faith, her searching was through. Patience wore thin, her curiosity grew, so she did what any monkey in the middle would do. Returned to Mr. Tree and left the scene to tend to monkey business and live her dreams. Fifi taught little music monkeys all day, 
funky dances, sang, left and played, taught common sense and right from wrong. Among the little music monkeys was where she belonged, singing her songs. Fifi also played her music at night with other music monkeys who longed for the light of love, happiness, and support and creativity tugged at her heartstrings. Her patience returned to her soul. She was true. She was content, lived in the moment and had too much to do to let love get her down or stand in her way. And with the other music monkeys, she continued to play. One morning as Peepy sat atop Mr. Tree, she heard Neil the bird chirp his melody, guiding her to be courageous and share her words. She'd sing for everyone and be seen and heard. Fifi took the stage and shined like a star, cheered monkey cheers and played her guitar. She performed an educational was abundant her soul felt renewed she loved what she was doing and was no longer blue if she had to wait forever that's just what she'd do for fester mcgee to break free from the zoo on one sunny day fifi couldn't believe what her eyes saw because it was hard to conceive swinging from the lower branch of mr Her handsome zany soul made faster, McGee. He swung up to Fifi, sat down and just stared and said, You're the one for me, I can tell by your hair. Beautiful heart, sass and flair. To all others in the tribe, you can't be. like to be your greatest fan and best friend, your handsome zany monkey on whom you depend. The love I feel with you is unique and rare. We're from the same mold, we should be a pair. The moral of the story is look passionately. Hear no evil, speak no evil, seek harmony. Like a sassy music monkey named Fifi Dupree. Stuff.